Welcome to the Birth Lounge Podcast, an empowering space for expecting and new parents to hear candid conversations with experts, support your mental health, and learn the tips and tricks that thousands of parents have used to craft their ideal birth. We will answer all of your questions, the scary ones and the weird ones, to help calm your fears and feel confident going into your birth. I'm going to help you redefine what birth and motherhood looks like and how to embrace your journey. I've intentionally crafted an amazing list of experts to help you navigate pregnancy, explore your birth options, and plan for postpartum so it can be a time of soaking in your tiny human. We're going to go there on all the hard topics so that you can dive into finding your confidence and freeing yourself from fears around childbirth. With almost 10 years of experience in family education and a master's degree in human development and family studies, I created this podcast as a way to share information so parents can make educated and informed decisions about their care during pregnancy and childbirth. This is a birth community driven by evidence-based information and research in hopes to help you explore your options, understand your rights, and know what choices you have along the way. I'm your host, Hee Hee. Now let's get to the good stuff. Hello, 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 you guys. Welcome back to another episode of the Birth Lounge Podcast. Today is going to be such a good episode. It's one that A, I'm super passionate about. B, I have someone that I absolutely love to talk to on. She is a friend of mine. I know her from college. We were actually in the same sorority. And then as our pads kind of both were in women's health, our pads recrossed. Fast forward a few months and I started to have some major problems with my period. And so I reached out to my friend, Jenny Parham, who's a period coach who helps women with bed-bound periods turn them into kick-ass periods so that they can live their lives to the fullest. And to be honest, I did not think that I needed Jenny's full program. I thought she could just tell me a few things that I could do, like simple tweaks. But turns out Jenny has this entire 90-day pain-free period method that completely changed my life. And I wanted to share it with you. So I'm having my friend Jenny Parham on the show today, you guys, and we are going to be talking about your periods. We're going to be breaking it down, setting the record straight about our menstrual cycles because, you know, we all know we just don't talk about them and we don't educate little girls on them. And so we have a bunch of adults walking around and we know nothing about our own bodies. We know nothing about what to expect, what's normal, what's cause for concern. And if you are not new around here, if you've been here a moment, you know that that is the name of the game with this podcast. We are trying to break things down so that you don't have to walk around wondering what's normal and what is not normal. We are empowering you to understand what is your body trying to tell you. So Jenny, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being here with me today. Yeah, thank you so much. I'm excited and you're so right. Like this information was not something that most of us learned from our parents or in schools or like health class, you know? And so a lot of adults, adult women are learning this now on their own. And so that's part of my mission here is to help spread that word. And hopefully we can all pass it down to the next generations. And there won't be such of a big gap of, you know, what's actually happening to my body. Is this normal? 
And it's almost a taboo, right? It's like a thing that um, people don't talk about. And it's like, you should whisper about it. And you should like hide your tampons. And actually, I just saw a video on Instagram that I messaged the company about and said, this is absolutely not okay that you are perpetuating that periods are something to hide and to be ashamed about and be embarrassed about. And you are you're telling women that it is okay that men stand outside of the bathroom and listen to you unwrap your tampons and then make fun of you because the video literally showed that. So not only are we not teaching people about what's happening to their bodies, but our society has done a really fantastic job of completely brainwashing women thinking that this is something that is gross and it needs to be hidden and it is not. It's absolutely not. But I think a lot of it comes from that fear of not knowing, which Jenny is also a birth worker. She's a doula as well. And so Jenny, you know, this is so, so, so rampant in birth too. People are scared of birth because they don't know what to expect. So what are the most basic things that we really kind of need to understand about our menstrual cycle? Just like a basic period 101, if you have a period, here's kind of what you need to know as a starting point, right? As a starting point, as general knowledge, but then you as a person are going to have to take this and dive into what is specific and individual to your body. Yeah, absolutely. So I think for me, one of the biggest shockers was, wow, we actually have four phases of our menstrual cycle. You know, I was an adult when I learned that. I always thought we're just either, you know, you're bleeding or you're not bleeding. And I didn't really understand what that, you know, what that really meant. Um, I did grow up in a period positive household. Like I couldn't wait to get my period because it was going to be the celebration. I ended up actually being at summer camp when I started. So I couldn't celebrate with my mom, but I wrote her and said, you know, I've become a woman and I was just so excited about it. Um, but I still didn't, I didn't fully understand what was happening in my body. And I think a lot of women can relate to that, even if it is a positive experience. So I'll just start there. We have four different phases of our menstrual cycle and they are dictated by our fluctuating hormones. And these four phases are the menstrual phase, follicular, then we have ovulation, and then that last 10 days to two weeks before your period arrives again is called the luteal phase. So if you want, I can break these down further, okay? So in the menstrual phase, I like to start here, it's the day one of your cycle is the first day of your period. So a lot of times people are asking like, how do I know where I am in my, my cycle? And so this is the easiest way. Day one is that first bleed, first day of period bleeding. And that bleeding is actually the lining of your endometrium that has built up. It's actually shedding and it is, you know, coming out of us and that's your period. Usually you bleed for about three to seven days. And for most people, it's heaviest on days one and two. You want that, you know, cranberry red color and you may have slight sensations is what I like to call them in the abdomen you know an awareness that you're on your period but no cramping that's like keeping you home or making you pop pain meds anything like that 
So that's your menstrual phase. And then you're going to be in the follicular phase once your period ends. So that is when hormones are starting to rise. Typically people have more energy during the follicular phase and your body is preparing an egg for ovulation. And at this point, your endometrium lining, so the lining of that uterus, is starting to thicken up again so that you could potentially, you know, if an egg becomes fertilized, it could then implant and grow. Um, so that is follicular phase in a nutshell. And then we have ovulation, which this is the other piece that most people know about because we think about this especially if you have been pregnant or you're trying to conceive, you know, ovulation is another big bang word for people. And ovulation itself is really short, probably just 24 or is 24 to 48 hour process for people. And this is actually when all of that hard work comes to a peak and when an egg is actually released from a follicle and starts making its journey you know, down the fallopian tube where it could be fertilized. And so if we use that proverbial 28-day cycle, so we know not everyone has a 28-day cycle, but that is, you know, if we're using that, ovulation could occur halfway through the menstrual, phase, menstrual cycle, so on day 14. But that doesn't happen for everyone. So ovulation is not always, you know, halfway through your cycle, but it's instead whenever... Um, an egg is released from your body, or I mean from an ovary, from a follicle, <laughs> excuse me. Um, and so then after ovulation, then that, you know, 10 days to two weeks before your period shows up again, we have the luteal phase. And the luteal phase is when your hormones are at their lowest, um, but they should still be balanced and acting in harmony. So if you have PMS, so if you have like mood swings, anxiety, bloating, fatigue, acne that is cyclical, breast tenderness, that is a sign that, hey, you know, hormones might not be as balanced, you know, or, uh, you know, acting in harmony as they should. And that's when you would experience those symptoms. It's totally okay. It's just your body sending a message saying, hey, I might need a little bit more attention, and that's fine. Um, but we have really come to normalize PMS. And even though it's really common, it's not necessarily normal. It means that there is an underlying hormonal issue going on that you can, you know, that can be resolved, definitely. So Physically, what's happening in the luteal phase where you've had that ruptured follicle um, that then becomes the corpus luteum. And the corpus luteum begins to produce estrogen and progesterone to prepare for pregnancy. So your body is always, you know, our body is in this mode of, you know, let's reproduce, let's reproduce. Like that's its goal. And so it's always going to be preparing for pregnancy. So if pregnancy doesn't occur, which most often it doesn't, then that corpus luteum stops producing those hormones. And then it's this drop that actually causes the tissue of the endometrium lining to break down and then menstruation happens all over again. And we do that over and over and over. And I just think it's so fascinating when you really get down to it and you start thinking about all of this hard work that our body is doing every single month. And when we expect to show up the exact same way day in and day out, it's like, 
what are we doing? Like, look what is happening on the inside of our bodies. I just can't, I can't even imagine, you know, how that can affect the rest of our life. So that is, you know, in a nutshell, what I think some of the basics of what to expect with a menstrual cycle. So I love all of that so much. And I think this is why I also loved your, um, your 90 day pain-free period method so much just because like me, you break things down to a science, right? I liked learning what was happening inside my body. I can look at a three, three month pregnant person and know exactly what's happening inside their stomach. They can't feel it. They don't know what's going on. They probably are still forgetting that they're pregnant, but I know because I know the science. I now have that same power over my own body during my monthly cycle. And that I think is where your program came so I don't know, in charge for me. Like I it just gave me so much power is because it broke down truly what was happening kind of behind the scenes and how I could support that. So one thing I do want to make sure that we touch on when we're talking about these four phases is that you break them down into seasons. Touch on that a little bit because this is what really grabbed a hold of my soul. And like, it was that light bulb moment. I was like, oh my God, I can relate to that so much. Like, am I in fall? Am I in spring? Am I in summer? Am I in winter? And now Last night, even I went to bed at 8 p.m. Like that's so early. I'm generally a nine or 10 person. 8 p.m. is so early. And when I climbed in bed, I thought, gosh, why am I so tired? Oh yeah, I'm in winter. And I was like, that makes so much sense to me. So give our people a little bit of sense of what I am talking about here when it comes to the seasons of your period. Yeah, I'm so glad you brought that up because all of like the hormone names and the scientific phases can feel a little bit overwhelming for a lot of people. They're like, how am I going to understand this? That doesn't make sense to me right now. And so I love to use the seasons in nature and equate them to the phases so that you can, just like you're saying, oh, I'm in winter. And what do we think about for winter? So menstrual, the menstrual phase, when you're on your period, I equate that to our inner winter and when you think about winter time, you're like, okay, I'm like going to cozy up, you know, and you're going to eat warm foods and have your hot tea and you're going to read and go to bed early. And, you know, just all of those things where your, your body is doing a lot of work, you know, there is a lot happening during winter time, but we can't always see it, you know? And so that's like the roots are really, you know, down in the ground and so we're trying to you know we're we're focusing on being grounded and you know that calm state really, really nourishing ourselves yeah and slowing down for me so it, it it's when my schedule starts to slow down or when i find that my body is slowing down i'm like where am i oh yeah i'm in winter that makes sense the world slows down the earth kind of slows down in in winter um and so i find that my body does the same thing yeah, absolutely. So then after winter, we're in spring. So that was the follicular phase, you know, when your body is preparing to release an egg. And so that's usually when we have more energy and we feel like less wearing less clothing and we're like flirtier, you know, you're like, Ooh, springtime. Yeah. Like peeling off those layers. Um, you know, things are starting to bud out. 
And then summer ovulation, the big shebang, the peak in libido. I mean, that's just so summertime, you know, that full bloom, right? Like just ready to go, high energy, those long days of summer. And just sexy, right? uh Summer overall is just like sexy and ovulation is going to make you feel sexy. I always feel super energized. Ovulation day for me is always hands down the most productive of the, the month. The entire month is my ovulation day. My energy is the highest and I find mentally I am on it every month. Yes. Yeah. And I love hearing that because, and you go with it, you know? So for a lot of people, like we have this, well, these are the things I'm, you know, I'm, I'm doing on this day. And the next week I have these tasks, whereas you've learned the program um, and I move and work in this same way too, is like, it's okay if you're a little bit slower one week because I tell you what follicular phase ovulation you're like bam 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 ready to go and you're going to do better work right it's your peak creativity you're most productive you can communicate clearly so it really is the optimal time for those kind of tasks i'm not saying put everything off you know and then be super stressed out but it is nice to know like, oh, I'm like feeling that energy. I'm just going to roll with it instead of like, nope, I'm going to stop here today. So yeah, ovulation is that inner summer. And then the luteal phase, that two weeks again before your period, um, is inner fall. And I love this image as well because it's winding down and you're preparing for winter, right? So resting and you know making sure to actually slow down that's a reason why a lot of women have pms especially in 2020 like we are hustle 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 culture right and we're moving and we're going and we're doing and we don't take time to slow down so yeah fall time i even when it comes down to food, like root vegetables, you know, that's so fall to me. And it's also what nourishes us so that we can stabilize our blood sugar and not have um, those sugar cravings and the acne and the bloating, like it can help with all of that. So we are connected, you know, it can sound a little woo. I know that some of your people are into that too, but it is like we are nature. And so it's just a no brainer to me that, oh yeah, that this you know, everything is in a cycle. I mean, even if you're not woo, it like has to make sense to you what we just explained about the seasons. This is one of the places where like, even if you're not into the witchy energy, like stones type thing, you still can't deny that there are definite seasons of our menstrual cycle. Um, So be witchy or don't their seasons in our period. Um, and that's just kind of the bottom line. So I do want to circle back to one of the things you had said about, you know, we, we have this 28 day thing as this gold standard that everyone thinks your period is 28 days, but some people's are not. What, what kind of things are we looking at that might shift that from being a 28 day cycle? Plus how did we get this 28 day cycle as the gold standard? Is it truly the gold standard or is it just really an average? And we have to understand that we're not necessarily working towards a 28 day period, but rather just understanding, are you a variation of that? Yeah. I love how you asked that, why we even have that gold standard of 28 days. And it, 
can seem, you know, like in any area, you see this in birth as well, like it's easier when we put people in boxes, right? Like, here we go, or seemingly, like this is what it's supposed to look like, this is how you do, when we are individuals. And that is not always taken into account because that can be a little bit more complicated in the world of science or, you know, just taking care of people. Um, so most people have like a 29 day cycle, but anywhere from 26 to like 33 is normal, even beyond those bounds. You know, what's normal for you and normal for me can be totally different. You're looking more for that consistency. So instead of like, okay, I had a 26 day cycle, then 33, then 28, then, you know, where it's like all over the map, just kind of something that's a little bit more rhythmic. And what can actually change our menstrual cycle is, you know, it's all about ovulation. Like whenever we've said, I know we've all said like my period's late, my period's late and I'm waiting on it. Really it's ovulation that is late. So if you don't track ovulation, then you wouldn't know that ovulation has been delayed. And Delayed ovulation or, you know, skipped ovulation can happen for so many reasons. Stress is a really big one. And once again, I just like to say, like, it's okay. It's okay to not ovulate some cycles. You know, that means that your body is working. That means that your body is prioritizing living over reproducing, which is what it's supposed to do. Um, but it can feel a little tricky for some of us. So even when we think about, you know, we can just even touch on like, what does a typical period even look like? Cause I get that asked a lot as well. You know, everyone wants to know like, is my period normal? Am I normal? Like I've read it needs to be this. You're like going down the Dr. Google rabbit hole. And while there is no perfect period, there are definitely some indicators of a healthy period. So the first thing is the length of your period. So usually lasting about three to six days and any shorter is typically indicative of like low estrogen and anything that is longer than that um, could be estrogen dominant. So having too much estrogen or too much estrogen in relation to your progesterone, so just relative estrogen. And then we're looking at consistency as well. So because the blood is shed from the endometrial lining, the amount of blood that you lose can indicate whether or not that uterine lining is healthy enough, whether or not it's getting thick enough. And this matters because even if you are like, oh, it's totally fine, I have this super, super light period, if you are wanting to become pregnant one day, it's really important. You have to have a endometrial lining that is thick enough for an egg to actually implant and grow, right? Or else it's not gonna be able, you're not gonna be able to sustain a pregnancy. Um, <clears throat> but we are aiming, it's kind of like that Goldilocks flow. Like we don't want something too heavy that, is really clotty, um, but we also don't want something that is too light. So ideally you're looking between 25 and 80 milliliters of blood over your entire period. So if you use a menstrual cup, 
you know, that makes it super easy. You're able to check that out every time you, you know, you empty it. For pads, tampons, you know, period panties. I know you love those. I love them too. Um, it really depends on the level of absorbency, which usually it has that information when you're purchasing them, like it holds this many tampons worth. But you can expect a pad or tampon to hold anywhere from one milliliter to 10 milliliters. So like a very, you know, the light, the purple tampon, one milliliters up to like a super heavy would be 10 milliliters. So you, from that, you're able to do the math, right? Like how often are you having to change that pad or tampon and, you know, adding it up. And so your goal is, you know, between 25 and 80 milliliters of bleeding. And that may sound like a really wide range, but our bodies are so different. And 25 milliliters could be totally normal for you. And for me, it may be like, oh, that was an interesting period. It was really light. Like, what's going on here? Um, and the bleeding pattern. So you're going to lose most of that blood during day one and two. And you two is the heaviest for people. So you have, you know, day one and then day two, you're like, oh yeah, here we go. And then it's gradually going to taper off from there. So actually 90% of blood loss will take place in the first three days. So I know for me, like growing up, I thought that was so weird. I didn't know. I didn't know that most of the blood loss would be in the first three days. And so I'm like, is is this normal? Like, is everything okay? Like, I feel like, you know, it just tapers. And then I'm just kind of like spotting for, you know, two or three days after that. And it is, it's, it's totally normal. So the two other things are color and symptoms. So we want to aim for a deep cranberry color, like really vibrant red. Um, so on those lighter days, you can expect to see like pinkish or brown, which would just be older blood, but we're looking for, you know, a good, healthy, like cranberry red. Like it just looks vibrant and like, oh, okay, like nice, healthy blood. And then the last thing is symptoms of a typical period. And as I said earlier, that's like, you know, an awareness of oh, I'm on my period, but nothing that's re requiring you to grab Advil or Midol or pain meds or, you know, is preventing you from actually doing your daily activities. Like we talked about, maybe we are intentionally slowing down, but not to where you're like, oh, I, I can't go do this because I am curl up in bed and I have the hot water bottle and I have to take the Advil and I'm just miserable. That piece is not normal. Um, yeah, so those are just some signs and, you know, indicators of a healthy period and that your that means your hormones are working in harmony. And a symptomatic period is just your body's way of letting you know that something is off. And that's totally fine, too. It's just figuring out, you know, how to get back on track. So that girl that you were talking about, you know, not being able to do things and having to grab the Advil and lay in bed and cancel her plans, that was me. You know, if you remember when I first contacted you about my periods, I was like, oh my God, you have to help me. Like I'm literally crumpled over. I'm, I'm in fetal position in the bed or spending, you know, four hours in the shower with hot water on my belly. 
you have to help. So um, I have a question about the, uh, the color of your blood that I think a lot of listeners are probably out there thinking. So Jenny, if we have dark blood, older blood, indicating older blood, you know, that dark brown blood, or even really thick, clotty, clumpy, almost sticky blood at either the beginning or the end of our periods, you know, should we be concerned about that? What do we do about that? Is that something that they're going to find a fix for in the 90-day pain-free period method? Yeah. So anytime you are concerned, always reach out to your healthcare provider. You know, I tell people I am a period coach, but I do not, you know, diagnose, treat, prescribe any of that. I'm here to walk you along that journey and help you get the information you need, just like you do for birthing, right? Um, So anytime there's something that's abnormal for you, definitely get it checked out. But if it is small clotting and you've had that for a while and it's normal, that is often an indicator of too much estrogen. And that is 100% like totally what we cover in the 90-day pain-free period method. We really focus on aligning those hormones and really balancing them out so that there is this really nice relationship between each of them because there's no bad hormones, right? Like estrogen, I feel like gets a bad rep and it's like, no, like that's how we have our curves. You know, like we want, we want all of our hormones. It's just sometimes because of, you know, environmental toxins and all of these endocrine disrupting chemicals and our liver and gut not being able to process as well. You know, all of these things were just getting blocked up where these little fake estrogens are in there mimicking. And then your body is like, oh my God, there's too much of this. And, you know, what do I need to do about it? So, yeah, we definitely address things like helping you get back to that nice period blood color and which is a you know a symptom or a visual which is reflected from your hormones one of the biggest things i learned in your program was how much i was not sweating um, and that i needed to be sweating more so that i could actually process and get rid of the estrogen in my body, um, not to mention all the, you know, environmental things that are, that have probably compounded on top of my natural estrogen, which we live in a pretty clean home. I make sure that all of our cleaning products are, um, you know, green and clean. And I try and use green and clean shower products and our laundry detergent, what we put on our floors and what we use in our dishwasher, all of that jazz. Um, but just, being alive on earth in 2020, we are going to come into contact with toxins, you know, and I, I fully believe that my body is a little bit more sensitive probably than your average everyday person. I generally am more sensitive to things, um, just kind of overall, emotionally, mentally, my skin is more sensitive. Um, you know, allergy wise, I'm generally more sensitive to, to things than your typical person. So I have no reason to believe that the toxins would not be, um, you know, would not be the same. So while we're kind of on the topic of toxins and also we had just mentioned your doctor, can we kind of roll into birth control? Because I know this is something that you're really passionate about. It's something that I'm really passionate about too. And I think it is something that, um, you know, there are, there are really a lot of sides of the fence to this conversation. And I think people get really charged about this conversation, but the unfortunate truth is that we have been using birth control for years and years and years and years, and the truth about what it actually does in our body 
hasn't been shared that much. And so for me and for listeners to clarify, this is not a conversation about whether birth control is good or bad. This is simply a conversation on what does birth control literally do in your body so that you, as the taker of that birth control, you can understand what's going on in your body, how you can best support your body if you choose birth control, and also what your birth control options are. So, Jenny, let's dive in before we talk about, you know, any sort of birth control options or what they need to know. Can we just talk about the basics of both birth control and what it actually does to our body and our hormonal system and our endocrine system? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think you used a really good word, and that is charged. People can definitely be charged around birth control. Um, and, you know, I've told you this before, I always like to start and say that I am not anti-birth control. I'm really not at all. Um, you know, there are women who worked really, really, really hard for us to have autonomy over our own female bodies. And that is something that we should be really proud of, but it doesn't negate the fact that we need to know what is happening when we take this medication, right? And um, being a truly informed consumer and the reason that it was created. So it was created to be a birth control, right? To prevent pregnancy. Great. Um, but then, you know, it was kind of twisted and there's actually over half of people that are on birth control actually use it for something other than pregnancy, pregnancy prevention, excuse me. Um, yeah, they are using it for acne or for the mood swings or heavy periods painful periods, you know, um, irregular cycles. And they are doing this because they are struggling, right? Like I, I see those people, I've been there. Like I understand that feeling of like, help me anything. And then when you have something prescribed to you with the promise that it's going to fix your hormones, that it's going to heal your period, that it's going to regulate your cycle, you're like, oh my God, this is great. Right. And it's so normal. It's like everyone takes it. Like we all know someone who's on birth control. Like it's that part's actually not really that much of a taboo. <laughs> um, but we're not getting the full picture and birth control actually doesn't regulate or fix or balance your hormones, your period, your cycle. It's really just acting as a band-aid approach to these hormonal issues. And if you're like me, I was prescribed hormonal contraceptives. Um, and, and I know you were as well. I know we've talked about this before. Um, and when you come off of that pill, the patch, the ring, you know, whatever the shot, whatever it is for you, those symptoms are not fixed. Like they're not cured. They don't go away. They're actually still there because your hormones were just suppressed. And it was this band-aid approach where we were just covering up the symptoms. Let's just cover it up, cover it up, you know, and then you want to come off birth control because I don't know, you, you want to come off of it, or maybe you want to try to get pregnant. And then that's when you hear a lot of people, they're just like miserable, you know, before that. And it wasn't, you know, it did not fix did not fix their period, did not fix their hormones. So you were really sold this inaccurate information. 
And I think that's the most, you know, dangerous part of birth control is like not being a truly informed consumer. So, you know, I talked about at the beginning how our hormones are fluctuating every month. So if you imagine on a graph, there's like these rise and fall. Um, when you are on hormonal birth control, it flatlines your hormones. So there's no ebbs and flows. It actually throws you into a menopausal-like state. And, you know, you're not ovulating anymore, which is great because you don't want to ovulate because you don't want to get pregnant. But um, when you don't ovulate, you don't actually have a true period. So that bleeding that you experience on birth control is actually a sugar pill induced withdrawal bleed. And it doesn't, you know, at the bottom, it doesn't balance your hormones or regulate your cycle. It's just going to suppress ovulation. Um, and the longer a hormonal problem exists, whether it's suppressed or not, the harder it is to treat later. So I have a lot of you know, clients and students in the program that this is their story. You know, they've tried taking hormonal birth control for these various symptoms, you know, or they um, don't want to, and that was, you know, sold to them. And then they learned like, oh my gosh, that's actually not going to fix it. And so they're looking for something else. Like there has to be something else. And there is. There are ways to nourish, move, and thrive. There are ways to eat your way to a better period. There are ways to, you know, really nourish yourself and take care of your body that can truly heal your hormones. And those happy hormones are going to lead to happier periods and better fertility and increased libido and creativity and productivity, like all of these things that we really really want. So yes, you know, the pill impacts your hormones, even when you stop taking it. And if you want to take it for birth control reasons, do it great. If you want to take it for your symptoms, awesome. Just know, know what you're getting yourself into and do your, do some education ahead of time. I love that. You know, I think you talked about people coming off and their, their problems not being fixed. A lot of times they're exasperated. These people come off of hormonal birth control and they're like, oh my God, this has made my life so much worse. My periods are worse. I'm now getting migraines. My cramps are, I feel like my uterus is going to fall out of my body. Like I, this is bad. This is bad. Things are not good. And that is where I see like, wow, we really have just completely overridden everything kind of in your natural system. So a book that I love that really explains why birth control does what it does and, and exactly what it does is Everything Below the Waist by Jennifer Block. You guys, this book will change your life. It talks about how the hormones actually work in your body, why birth control came about and the progression of kind of whose hands birth control has gone through throughout the decades. And I think it is very interesting um, to understand this. There is a history to birth control. There is, you know, like so many other things in women's health, an ugly history to birth control. And I think the way that birth control has moved from this piece of empowerment where we're going to give women control over when they would like to have a baby to a tool of power to use over women. 
And we're going to give this to you to actually shut down your, you know, pieces in your brain that control your hormones, your pituitary gland. It's going to impact your hypothalamus. Like there's tons of places in your brain that this birth control is going to impact. And now we're using it as a tool over women or against women, if you will. And, and we have really stripped it of this empowerment piece. And I think that this can really be seen in black and brown communities where we actually use it as a tool of control. We will literally tell black and brown women that is going to do X, Y, and Z, knowing good and well, that's not the point that that provider is truly recommending it to. Um, you know, at the very basic level, that is medical assault. That's literally lying to your patients. It is so far from informed consent. It makes me nauseous. Um, gosh, you can probably hear the passion in my voice. It just makes me so disgusted that this kind of stuff happens. So I think it's really important that people understand, you know, birth control has a lot of power and the power can be in your hands, but it does require you to be an informed consumer. Absolutely. Check out that book. And Jenny, I know that you have a book, um, the fifth vital sign that you love as well. Can you talk to us a little bit about that? Yes. The fifth vital sign, Lisa Hendrickson, Jack wrote that book. She's fabulous. Um, she is a fertility awareness educator. Um, so she teaches the fertility awareness method for people who are wanting to learn more about their menstrual cycles and, you know, their health and health check-in um, for people who are wanting to get pregnant, who are wanting not to get pregnant by using, you know, symptothermal method. But she has you know, a lot of people call it the fifth vital sign, but she's really taken that and wrote a, wrote a book on it because our menstrual cycle is our fifth vital sign. It gives us so much insight into our overall health. And if we are not cluing into that, we're totally missing out on, you know, information about our bodies. And I think this is indicative too of, of a lot of things in, in healthcare, but women's health particularly, that we don't teach women how to clue in to this fifth vital sign. We don't teach women how to tune into their bodies. Um, you do a lot of talking about body literacy and being able to really understand the communication that your, um, your body is trying to tell you. So yeah. Okay. Last question before I let you go is right quick while we're on the, the topic of fertility, you know, if, if there are listeners out there who are trying to conceive, what are we looking for as far as a period? What can you do to support your fertility and what do we really need to be doing to prepare for pregnancy in terms of supporting our hormones and having a healthy period? Yeah. So those two things are wickedly connected, you know, our, menstrual cycles and fertility. So, you know, all the things you can do now to prep for fertility are also going to make your periods better. So it's kind of a totally a win-win. Um, but some of the major things for prepping for, you know, optimal fertility and really happy hormones. Um, the first one is, you know, you touched on this earlier is, you know, take inventory of all of those endocrine disrupting chemicals you have in your house. So there's two different things happening. One is that we are not getting rid of these chemicals 
as easily, like our, our liver is not processing them. Um, and so they're getting built up. So we need to be supporting our liver. Um, you can do this, you know, just with eating lots of leafy greens, you know, or adding in those liver loving foods like dandelion leaf, dandelion root, which everyone knows and it grows everywhere. And I have this thought that it's because we all need, we all need a little bit more detoxification happening. Um, so I'm not talking about any sort of like extreme detox. I've seen like these, you know, I'm sure you have to like prepare for pregnancy, juice cleanse kind of things. No, we're not looking at that. That's going to disrupt your blood sugar and all kinds of other things too. Um, but just the basics of supporting that natural detox, detox detoxification system, excuse me, um, so that it can work optimally. Um, and so that's happening internally. And at the same time, we are checking our personal care and cleaning products. What is in them? What are you putting on your skin? What are you putting in your body? I love the EWG app. You can check that out. Um, they have Skin Deep. They also have the Clean 15 and Dirty Dozen for helping you figure out which foods to buy organic. Um, even though there is no evidence that there is more nutritional value in a piece of organic fruit, um, there is definitely less pesticides or no pesticides, you know, and those things are causing endocrine disrupting chemicals to just go crazy. Um, and one of the simplest, you know, quick fixes, I think, is just leaving your shoes at the door. Because when we think about where we have been all day long, you've been walking through lawns that have pesticides and herbicides, you've been walking down the streets, you've gone into the grocery store, into Target, you know, wherever you go and you are picking up all of these environmental toxins and then you're literally bringing them right into your house. So leaving your shoes at the door can be one of the easiest way to really support that um, getting out or, or not even putting in those chemicals. So that's one of the big things is checking in on, you know, environmental toxins. Um, another one is de-stressing. Stress plays such a huge role in our hormones and fertility. And so finding whatever works for you to actually take time to actively de-stress because we live in a world now where there are little stressors everywhere. It is waiting in traffic. It is reading your child's report card, you know, it is opening a bill. It's not to mention like, okay, running a business, like all of those bigger things too. And our brains don't, our bodies don't know the difference between a true threat, like running for your life from a tiger, from a bear. And, oh, you know, I have a, you know, I have a deadline due, which is not a true threat to your life, right? But it can feel like it is. And your body processes those the exact same way. And that can spike up your cortisol um, and that can get your hormones all out of whack. Um, so actively de-stressing. This can be yoga for some people. It's meditation. It's taking a bath. It's taking a walk. Um, I'm hesitant to recommend exercise for people to de-stress because we also live in this culture that is like, cardio obsessed and over exercising and so sometimes it's toning back because stress 
and that's stress in your body, which is also manifested the same way. Um, so find those ways to do whatever it is you need to do to tell your body and brain, it's okay. You're safe here. We're good, you know, because our bodies are really smart and they prioritize your survival over fertility. Your body's like, mm, you're like a little bit too stressed, probably shouldn't have a baby right now. <laughs> and so um, we really want to be toning that down. And then the third thing is your gut health. So our microbiome helps to regulate hormones. And a lot of us have, you know, poor gut health, leaky gut, whatever it is. And so we need to be eating foods that are going to build up that gut lining. Some people like to actually take a probiotic. I encourage using, you know, actual foods. So fermented foods, leafy greens, um, and then of course, avoiding things like antibiotics, unless it's truly, truly necessary, but not getting, um, not exposing yourself to more damage to your gut. So those are kind of the three biggest things, like loving up on your liver, prioritizing your gut health, and, you know, um, making sure you are managing your stress. Those are three things that are also in the 90-day pain-free period method. But like I said, it's all connected. So those are the biggest pieces for fertility and as well as overall health. Yeah, and just generally supporting those those hormones and having a healthy, balanced period. Gosh, I love it so, so, so much. Okay, Jenny, you have shared so many nuggets of wisdom, not even nuggets. These were like shovels full. We have like a, a tractor full of, you know, wisdom now that you have shared. Thank you so, so much for that. But I know there are people out there who are like, all right, I got to work with this this gal because this is me. They're talking about me being bed bound. They're talking about me having insane menstrual cramps. They are talking about me, you know, not knowing how to handle these menstrual cramps. If people were interested in working with you to either balance their hormones or get their period under wraps, where can they find you? Yeah. So first of all, tractor load of information. Love it. That's like the Mississippi coming out, right? <laughs> like it really is. <laughs> that's perfect. Um, so yes, for anyone who is looking to ditch PMS or period pain, you can find me on Instagram. That's where I spend most of my time. I share PMS hacks and period pain tips, and that is at Jenny Parham. Um, and then as we've been talking about, you know, I've been mentioning the 90 day pain free period method. And this is a part of my group coaching course called rhythm and root where we really get to the root of what is going on in your body. Why are these symptoms happening instead of just covering them up. So that includes the 90 day pain free period method group coaching calls and menstrual cycle support. Um, if today you're like, oh my gosh, I want to learn more about how to ditch PMS so that I can have a pain-free period, you can start by checking out a free masterclass that I created for you guys. Um, I'll have Hehe put that link in the show notes. And I have watched that masterclass. Um, I 
also am obviously part of Rhythm and Root, but um, you guys truly reach out to Jenny. She really does hang out all over Instagram all the time. Um, she She's one of the most giving and caring people. So please reach out to her with any questions that you guys have. And if you join the birth lounge, Jenny is one of our special guests for the Experts Lounge. And she actually comes on to join us for an entire discussion on birth control after baby. This is something that so many people don't think about. So if you're pregnant listening, surprise, you've got more decisions to make after your baby gets here. Um, and that does include birth control. And so, you know, who else better than to have Jenny on? So she's in the Experts Lounge. We talk about not only what you need to know, we talk about the timing, we talk about how you can use some natural processes in your body, such as breastfeeding for lactation, um, management for for period management using lactation so um if you want to know about birth control after baby join the birth lounge and we'll help you have an informed and confident birth plus we'll step you through that fourth trimester jenny thank you so 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 much for joining us today this was an absolute blast listeners all of the links will be in the show notes per usual if you need me before Friday, you know where to get a hold of me. Otherwise, I'll see you on Friday for a Friday free talk. Goodbye. Hey there. Before you go, I wanted to tell you who made today's episode possible. Today's episode is brought to you by Thinks Underwear. Ah, it's time for your period again. And what are you doing to manage your period? In 2017, I had a horrendous experience with an IUD that grew into my cervix. And if that sounds traumatic to you, well, it was. And through this experience, I was forced to totally rethink the way I manage my bleeding each month. I found things underwear, and to say they changed my life is a complete understatement. After the repercussions of the misplaced IUD, things gave me control again. I started off with just one pair because who the heck knew if these things worked? But it didn't take very long before I had 10 pair of underwear. Who needs 10 pair of period underwear? I don't know, but I love them all so much. For new parents out there, I cannot think of a better way to manage your postpartum bleeding than the high-waisted or the Think Super. I don't want to be the one to break it to you, but the first postpartum period can sometimes be a doozy and Thinks can help. Thinks last up to two years, so they are great for our environment. They are also so easy to clean, plus they have a special lining to prevent any odor. They are no more effort than a regular load of laundry to clean. You can see how I care for my Thinks over on my Instagram highlights. Thinks has shared uh, $10 off of your first pair. It's a link, and I'm going to read it out to you, but you can also find it in the show notes. It's shethinks with an X dot com backslash pages backslash leader hyphen he he hyphen Stewart, and that's S T E W A R T. So you can visit that link, or you can visit that link in the show notes to save $10. I'm telling you, you will not be disappointed. And oh, if you're wondering what my favorite styles are, I love the sport, I love the thong, and I love the high-waisted. That's my period trio, and I could not live without them each month. I'm so excited for you to try yours. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I truly do value this community and I love hanging out with you. If you found today's episode helpful, 
share it with a friend, share it with someone who might also find this information helpful. I'd love to hear what you have to say and read your sweet words on iTunes. You can leave us a review and this helps get this information into the hands of parents who might also benefit from hearing it. If you're interested in joining The Birth Lounge, you can go to thebirthlounge.com. Our blog is linked there. You can find all sorts of free information as well as how to get your access to The Birth Lounge. You can always hang out with me on Instagram as well, at Tranquility by Hehe. Until then, stay educated, stay supported, stay confident. Hey there, just a friendly reminder that nothing in this podcast is to be used as medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Please consult your healthcare provider with any questions or concerns you have about your health or anything discussed in this podcast. Side effects may include educated adults, informed decision-making skills, and consensual care. Tranquility by Hehe and the Birth Lounge are not responsible for any ideal births that were created with this podcast. The birth parent deserves all the credit.